Welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and along with me today to discuss a uh, a wide subject or a wide breadth of, of Hounds topics. I've got two good friends of mine. First off, uh, Stevie Storino. Storino, what's good, man? Uh, all good here, man. It's been a while since I've been on. Uh, so I'm excited to be back. Um, been away for the last couple weekends, just uh, camping and whatnot, but excited to be here. Yeah, how's the uh, how's the camping been? I saw you got a new a new camper or a new like trailer thing going on there. Yeah, I got a thing called it's uh, Meerkat, which is like a little teeny tag along trailer. Uh, we pull it with my wife's Subaru Crosstrek, actually, which is pretty impressive. Um, I mean, it's really just kind of a bed on wheels, but it also has almost like a mini kitchen area, a lot of storage, super comfortable to sleep in. Um, my wife's just kind of over tent camping. I don't mind it so much, but She's over the tent camping, so we kind of splurged and got it, and uh, fits in my single car garage surprisingly too. So I mean, other than the actual cost of the thing, it's uh, it's pretty convenient to have, pretty nice. Nice. That's some uh, yeah, I saw some pictures. Look kind of sweet. Yeah, it is pretty slick. I like it. Nice. And then uh, also with us today, uh, Vesti, fresh back from a trip to uh, to Dolly World, if I'm not mistaken. How is uh, how's the Dolly World? Yes, I too have returned from the woods, although quite a different experience than camping. Uh, we went down to uh, yeah Dollywood and Pigeon Forge and that part of Tennessee, and it was cool. Uh, Dollywood's an interesting place. It's, I guess, the, if you haven't been before, to put it in sort of local terms, it's kind of like an, a plus Kennywood. Like it's it's similar kind of rides and and everything, but with the theming and shows and food and stuff that you might find at say like a disney so kind of best of both worlds nice. it's cool a lot of fun nice so it uh as many of you are probably aware we we took last week off we were actually starina and i were ready to record and then things kind of got a little crazy tried to do it the next day that didn't work out so uh after a pretty good run there we, we had our first our first miss of a week and uh, so we're going to try to not let that happen too often, even though we won't be able to record next Wednesday. But sorry about that, but we're, we're back on it today. And Sally, we didn't miss a, uh, a win when we missed last week, and we didn't miss a win this week because the Hounds are on a, on a bit of a skid at the moment. Uh, they are 0 for 2 in their, this, this two-match road trip down to first Charleston and then down to the Rio Grande Valley this past weekend where they dropped a 1-0 decision. Rough times. Uh, and I'll start with you, Storino. Do, are you lumping these two two losses together in the same style of play, or, or are we taking different things away from both these games? Different things from different games. Um, I think the Hounds looked a lot better in uh, the second of the two matches. Charleston, I just don't think they came out with any kind of oomph at all. They did not look good. Um, but I think down in Rio Grande, they, they look like the better team, um, but just couldn't find the back of the net for whatever reason. And that's just kind of seems to be the trend for the past two games. I mean, they, they couldn't score at all. And that's, I mean, that's really concerning. I think more than even just the loss factors, they didn't even score, um, with the firepower we have. I, it, it seems like there's no reason we should ever have, you know, a game end where we at least don't put one in. Vesti, it's I'm kind of with the same thought that they're they're totally separate games. They 
and not for the first time this year, they, they really just didn't even get off the bus against the battery, but then seemed to be the, the stronger side against, uh, against the Toros and just couldn't pop a goal in. And the scoring drought seems to be be a bit of a thing where if you look at the Hounds XG compared to, to what they're actually producing, it's there's a, a big gap. Is this a, a big deal, little deal, no deal, just things to wait on? It's it's the continuing season-long trend that we are a vastly different team depending on if we're playing at home or if we're on the road. I mean, in, in what, eight or nine road games, we only have two wins, um, which going on the road is always difficult at this level, but this seems especially bad. And um, I, I feel like in the past years, we would – with challenges on the road, we would often come away with draws. And this year, that's just not happening. We're getting the losses. Like, for whatever reason, we can't score on the road, or at least consistently. Um, and I was curious, you know, there's five games in a row now without a result. It's like, if you look at the traditional results or, or form uh, graphics, those are always, like, five-game uh, form. And so I was really curious about in in Lily's tenure here, you know, it, it feels like this was like it's particularly bad right now, and so I did some digging uh, this week, and you know, again, it's kind of bouncing around Wikipedia screens and stuff. I in spreadsheets, I did like ninety nine percent sure that this is the first time in Lily's tenure that we've gone five games and there's no W in that that form graphic. Um, the the worst run of games like this that I could find was in 2019. We went six games in a row without a win, but there were five draws on one loss. So this kind of goes back to me, you know, thinking we, we used to get draws instead of losses in, in this sort of situation. And so having three losses in this stretch is definitely much worse in my book. And, um, you know, if, if this was like, if Charles, if this Charleston and RGV game, was just one off, so to speak, or we had wins on either side of them or whatever. It'd be easy just to write them off, but it's just nine games of, of, of seeing us be really shitty on the road uh, is, you know, a trend you can't ignore. And I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what, what the answer is, is, I mean, that's for Bob to hopefully figure out what the problem is could go a couple different ways. I'm still, and either one of you guys tell me if, if you think I'm off base, the Hounds are now 15 games into the season, and I don't think any of us could put could jot down who you think this team's... Let, let me phrase that. You might be able to write down who you think the starting 11 is, but can you write down who you think Bob thinks is the starting 11? And if there is a must-win game, absolute must-win game, Coming up a week from now, do you have any clue who Bob would would know it as his starting eleven? Because the chopping and changing is again, we're fifteen games into it, and it's just not stopping. You you don't know you don't know who's going to be in net. The back line is maybe the most solid or the most defined set of starters, and then 
you know Danny Griffin's going to start. You know Forbes is going to start. And then outside of that, it's – you don't know. Or at least I don't think – I don't know. And I don't – I'm not sure at this point Bob knows who his starting 11 is. Is Am I off base or is or is the issues maybe just all stemming from that, that guys don't know who they're, who they're playing with week in, week out? I agree with you. Um, hate to say the – must-win situation, but you look at this upcoming game with Tampa, I wouldn't say must-win, but, I mean, they're obviously a team towards the top of the table that, you know, you can't walk into this game thinking it's an easy win. And, you know, looking at the starting 11 of last week, there's, you know, six names on there that I could probably say confidently will probably start against Tampa, but the other guys are just a toss-up. So, yeah, I mean... It's it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint Bob starting eleven week in and week out, and that definitely is a little bit concerning. So I was curious about this sort of line of thought. There was some discussion after the game that maybe we're rotating too much. Um, so I went to Shoes's trademark spreadsheet, and Did he updated um, this week. No, so I had to I had to. <laughs> I had Shoes. to calculate this week's stuff. You know, the one time I actually like, you know, doing some actual data calculations, it's it's not fully updated, but we'll we'll give shoes a pass. Um, <laughs> so I, I looked at the last five games on the on the skid. Let's try to figure out, you know, who's playing, how long they're playing, and, and things like that. And in the last five games, uh, there are only four guys who started all five games. Um, and there are seven who started four or more. So, you know, not like two thirds, I guess, of your roster, well, maybe a little less, is being consistent from the game to game. Now, appearance wise, um, 18 guys have made an appearance from the last five games and 12. Hold on, let me make sure I'm counting right here. Uh, yeah, 12 have made an four or more appearances in the last five games. So that's roughly two-thirds. So while the starting 11 may not be as consistent as we would think, the guys who ultimately get on the field kind of are. So I kind of don't know what to make of that. You know, maybe they just, you know, they need – I guess maybe that's an argument of just just playtime. Like they need more to, to be together for the duration of a game more, or you know, coming in halfway through, you're kind of maybe on the back foot a little more because you're you haven't been in the game yet. Um, but it seems like like yeah. So it, it, on one hand, if the starting eleven not necessarily being consistent, yes, there's a lot of rotation there, but ultimately with almost all the same guys getting playtime at some point in these games. I feel like we should be seeing better results. Um, and then I guess one more footnote, but I also looked at minutes played and uh, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the 18 who've made appearances have played 80 or more minutes. So it definitely is like, you know, there's a core half of the roster effectively plays all game and half of it gets rotated. Um, so just again, kind of like, I don't know what, what the, what 
how to, to solve the skid or the, the bad road results. I don't necessarily know what this means, but it, it, I guess I could go back to what I was initially saying. Most of the guys I've played with each other, you would think that they would know and where each other is and, and, and be comfortable, even if they're not necessarily all starting 11, but apparently not. But the the position where we're having the, the most constant rotation is is in net. And yeah, the, the Hounds, well, I mean, that's three three goals shipped against the battery, bottom of the table at that point, the battery, and then and then uh, a not great goal to give up uh, against the Toros. More than anything else is, is just not, basically every, every keeper is getting, you know, well, not every keeper because Vosvik's on the outs, apparently, it seems like. But between Silva and uh, Wade, it's like you get two games and you're, then you're flipped out. The other guy gets two games, they're flipped out. And uh, that, to me, is the most frustrating part about all this is we're 15 games in and, and there, is, there is not a number one keeper on this team for whatever reason. But does that matter? Uh, when, so when I say there are 18 guys played in the last five games, I didn't count the keepers because I actually don't think that that matters. Like we, we talk. I think it matters. I think it's like the most important thing. But we talk about how Bob's system is like plug and play. You don't care, you know, about resigning keepers. So why does it matter during the season all of a sudden? Like, isn't it more on the back line in in this system? Well, I I agree that that the keeper as a whole is a normally a. a yeah, a plug and play type of thing, but it's usually you've, you've plugged in at this point. You've plugged in one guy, and that one guy is now your system keeper that that the that the back line can work with and know what the tendencies are. And now that it's changing every you know two games and flip, two games and flip. I I mean, if if there's a better explanation for for some of these poor defensive lapses, I, I I'd love to hear it, but I. I'll, I'll point to what I think is the obvious deficiency. I mean, I so I didn't see the Charleston game because of vacation, but uh, I would not put the goal that RGV scored on the keeper. Um, no, what I mean, but it was it's it's not on the keeper. It wasn't a it wasn't a howl or anything like that. But how much is is the keeper trying to organize the the back line? And, and again, it was this big massive. Almost like the 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 goal against Detroit at home, big uh, diagonal cross to the you know to a, an attacking wing who's way wide open, and that's the pass that that unlocks the back line that leads to a goal. I mean that particular goal. Uh, I think that was. I don't think. The keeper had a, really any any direction in that play. Um, what so to like rewind it a bit on the, the RGV goal right before, like maybe a minute before their their goal. Uh, we were on the attack streaking down, and we had or on that starting eleven. Uh, Wheat was our right back, which I thought was odd because he's usually center. Yes, he was. On, it, well, well uh, Ardonia's was uh, would, did not start, and yeah, that kind of led to some other changes back there. Yeah, so it was uh, DeSantos on the left, 
Mikael Williams and uh, Jelani Peters in the middle, and then Wheat on the right outside. And so they were still playing as if we had a speedy right winger or wing back. Wheat's not that fast. At least I don't. I don't have ever seen him be particularly fast, especially if he's supposed to be a center back most of the time, anyways. And so on that attack, he was streaking down the side. Like he, yeah, the ball passed to him in the opponent's 18, and he took the shot. And then, like a minute later, they come back the other way, and it seemed like he was still hoofing himself back um, and lost the guy for a second, and he puts it in. Um, so, like, I don't put that on the keeper. I put down that on back bad or maybe missed management of the back line and asking something from Wheat or whoever was going to be on the right side that they couldn't do. And then, you know, they're, they're having to run 100 yards either direction and then get tired. So I, I, I feel like the RGV thing was tactics and then our inability to score in the second half was just, I think the guys are getting frustrated at this point. It, it seemed like they were trying to brute force their way through instead of being creative. Yeah, if you look at that, the the flow chart from that game, it was, I mean, it's all hounds in the second half. And, and you think there's, uh, you're looking just at, at some point a tapper goes in or instead of hitting the post, it's, it's posting in or whatever. And that's the that's the one thing that I'm holding out on that that I'm not looking to you know sort mashing the the panic button is the the opportunities opportunities are being produced they're just not being finished and as long as you believe that the finishing will eventually come around as long as the opportunities are still produced then the goals will naturally follow if if they weren't even producing the opportunities such as when they played Louisville, such as when they played Vegas, then if that continued, then I would be concerned. But the opportunities are being produced. The finishing's just not there right now. And the fact that it's almost spread amongst everyone, it's not you know here, there, one person just constantly missing. It's just, it's, it's a team issue right now. But if you think that issue will eventually work its way out and they'll not regress to the median, but I guess maybe progress to the to the median of, of what they should be doing based on XG, then then the goals will come eventually. Is you're just hoping that this this rough patch goes away sooner rather than later. I, I just look back to like the beginning of the year, a lot of the goals were very flowy, like guys moving in open space, uh, getting getting open, getting good shots. And then you look at all the chances at the towards the second half of the second half like at the end of the game against RGV. Yes, they were technically chances, but it was like Dixon and Dikwa and like four RGV players within like a six foot radius. Like they're all just bunched up trying to brute brute and force it in. Like there just wasn't movement, not no creativity to pass into space and stuff. And that that does not give me confidence. Uh but also that was towards the end of the game, so maybe it was just kind of how it was progressing. There does seem to be a lot of dancing with and without the ball just on the edge of the 18-yard box instead of working in a little a little deeper, which is I kind of frustrated me that it is at times, you know, I'm giving the the internal, you know, shoot the puck latang 
at some points because it, it's just <laughs> a constant trying to find maybe too fine or too perfect of a of an opportunity um, instead of just working for ugly goals. But uh, Steve, you've been awfully quiet the last few minutes. Where uh, where's your head in all this? <laughs> I, I you know I I think you both bring up very good points on uh on everything to be honest with you i was just kind of sitting here listening and for a second i forgot i was on a podcast thinking i was listening to a podcast so it was kind kind of nice but uh no both of you guys made great points um as far as i mean as far as keeper goes a, a mediocre keeper should be able to play behind a dominant team like what our team says on paper and something's just not clicking. And I agree with you too. At this point, we should probably have a number one, whether it's a mediocre number one, there should be somebody that is like, you know, we know this guy's playing every week and there's pretty much no question asked. And we don't have that still, but regardless of who's back there, we should still feel confident that the team in front of him is going to make his job easy game in and game out. And that's not happening either. So there's too much disconnect between not having a good goalie or not having a good keeper and not having anybody in front of him giving him any kind of confidence either. So I, I don't know. There's just something not clicking. Um, and like Bessie said too, I mean, early on in the season, you were seeing you know, everybody just opening up and just banging goals. And I mean, you just thought this whole season was going to be nothing but a goal fest. And here we are back to back losses with nothing. I mean, we had a couple chances, but nothing. I, I just, I don't get it. I really don't get it. it and it's contagious as mentioned there. I mean, uh, Dan Kelly had six goals before you, you blink an eye and he hasn't, he hasn't found the back in that sense. And, it looks like you know Deke was now I think on five at this point, but he's scuffing as well, and it almost looks like uh, Deke was is is he the starting striker at this point over Kelly? Is he, Kelly strictly an off the bench guy at this point, or I don't even know that uh, Lily has found what our go-to formation is. I mean, if you look at the last six or seven games, we might have. Three in the back, four in the back, two up top, one up top. I think there was a game where we had three up top. I mean, the, even our formation's not even consistent. I mean, that, to me, I I always kind of roll out the conversation of uh, formation as that important, but at some point you want to see consistency in that too, and it doesn't even seem like we have that going for us. We're not constantly going out there with a you know four-man back line, and then it's – you know, one guy up top, there's no consistency there either. So it's hard to piece together what's what's missing. Where is the missing piece? What's what's our Scuderi? What is it? <laughs> what's our Scuderi? I like that. Yeah. I, you brought up a, an interesting th- thought a few minutes ago, Steve, and I kind of want I kind of want to play it right now. So let, we'll do it. Totally off the cuff here. Let's take the starters from from RGV, and I'll just throw out the name, and you guys say, "Is this guy? If is that guy a your obvious starting eleven? If you had to pick a a must win Cup final starting eleven, so we'll start. We'll go front to back. Dequa, obvious starter or no? 
I would say yes. Yes. Ciceroni, obvious starter, yes or no? I'm a big Ciceroni fan, but I mean, you're the biggest I, Ciceroni I would say, fan. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like it's kind of a toss up between him and Dan Kelly and Ciceroni. After a game, you could see he's frustrated with his play. So it's hard to say in a must-win game if you want somebody who just can't find it, but that might be the spark that he needs. So I'm going to say yes, but I probably would. I don't know. That's I'd a, be fifty-fifty. Yes 50. Question mark behind it. Yeah, I would say yes, but questionable. Yes. Vesti, as, as much as I hate to say it, uh, Cicerone this year, I'm going to say no. He's just he's just not producing like he did last year right now. Uh, I, I I have thoughts he's being asked to do different things than last year, but we'll keep this going at the moment. Uh, Danny Griffin, obvious starter, yes or no? Yeah. Yep. All right. Kenny Forbes, obvious starter. Yes. Yep. Mark Yabera. I. <laughs> he's definitely one of the guys that's interchangeable. I would say no. I wouldn't confidently say he's a starter. Yeah, I'd say no as well. Uh, Angelo Kelly Rosales. Whenever I come down the same, more people know than yes, he would probably be one of those guys that I'd pull from that no bin and go, okay, since I didn't fill out a full 11, I would put him in. But I'm going to say no. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get a full 11 here, but um, I, I haven't seen anything from him to think he needs to be a must-start in a must-win game. Uh, Nathan Dos Santos, who, if you notice That's, the back of his jersey now, he has Dos Santos split apart into two words, like Steven. It's big. I did not big, catch yeah, that. Yeah, big change. Anyways, uh, obvious right. starter, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, I think he earned it. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he's kind of. He was my dark horse at the beginning of the season, and he's uh, he, he's proven me right there. I, I like that part. I, he he's. For whatever reason, has clearly won the uh, the starting left back job over uh, uh, Dan Brott. Uh Jelani Peters. I'm going to kind of give the same answer as I did before. I'm going to say no. But whenever I don't have a starting eleven, because I said no to too many people, he would probably be a guy I'd bring back as a yes. So let's go no for now. I'm going with yes. Uh, I like Peters. Um... I know he hasn't been the strongest in the last couple of games, but I think he can he can show up in a must-win game. Mikael Williams. I feel the same way about Williams as you do about Peters. I would say he's my my yes. He's my go-to center back. Oh, no, I'm the opposite. <laughs> so, so, yeah, uh, I... You know, not 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 writing this down to know if I have an actual starting eleven or a full back line. I would. Oh, geez, I guess what, who's the who's the other options? Um, I go yes, but I actually, I like Peters better than Williams. All right, so let, we'll pause for one second here. Uh, Ordonia's got his uh, maybe for the first time ever not us did not start uh, for the Hounds. Uh, where. In your Peters, Williams, or Donia's uh, hierarchy, it looks like you you each kind of interchange Peters and Williams for for who you like more, and then is Ordonia's fall above or below those guys? 
Uh, I would say he's probably the guy in the middle and my, to me, but that's, I mean, I don't know. I, I could, they'd be kind of more so a toss. So your, your depth chart would be Williams or Donia's Peterson. I think it would be. Yeah. Vesti. Uh, like before I'm flipping it. So I go Peters or Donia's Williams. Interesting. That's really interesting. Um, back to the task at hand. Shane Wheat on your right back. Obvious starter. I, I mean, he doesn't impress much, in my opinion, unfortunately. I I would say probably no. My empathy makes me feel bad for the guy because he's become kind of the punching bag of I, uh, some that's, supporters. That's kind of where I – that's why I just said exactly how I said it. I, I, I don't want to say no to the guy, but like kind of want to say no. I don't know. But yeah, I, I'd say, I mean, if, if I'm going with like a back line of DeSantos, Peters, Williams, uh, Ordonez, then yeah, there's, there's no spot for wheat. So I, I'd say no. But I mean, if, yeah, it, he has become the punching bag, hasn't he? Unfortunately. Yeah. I don't think Logan likes it much. Yeah. <laughs> And, but Luis Arguda is right there to be the, the better punching bag, but no one's going for him. It's a shame. Uh, he barely plays. And when he does, he... But he has moments of brilliance. The more you play, the higher the chance of being in the punching bag. Yeah, he has moments of brilliance and moments of, of doing some Corey Hartsock-esque shit. And it's uh, very frustrating. Uh, and then finally, of course, because keepers are... A source of controversy this year. Kevin Silva, obvious starter, yes or no? I think I'm more a Jamali fan, so I would say no. I'm with Serena. I'm more of a Vosvik fan. <laughs> but apparently he's not an option these days. That's a shame. Doesn't seem to be. Yeah. So, I mean, quickly looking through that, that, that run, I mean, both of you guys were, what, to paint on, not, yeah, basically you, you had you were sold on five to six of those guys each, out of eleven. Not not great. We're playing small fields, right? Like half field, we only need five guys. We're playing. On, <laughs> we're playing on. Well, I was gonna say we're playing on the smallest field possible, but we already played Detroit, <laughs> so. I mean, you you have to to, in our defense, I guess you have to realize that. Uh, Dixon only didn't start because he missed practice because he's a new dad. Yeah. So happy, happy new dad, Hugh Alexander Dixon. Happy first Father's Day. Yeah. Good timing. So I mean, your bench there was was Dixon, was Rivera, Kelly, Argudo, Vosvik, Chachin, Ordonez, and Sims. And I mean, to me, you could quickly. Make a case for for Dixon, Rivera, uh, Kelly, and Ordonez as as being must starts. On in Rivera the, to me game. would be a must start. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, almost the entire bench just push him push him onto the field at the beginning of the game, <laughs> and and I'm good. So, uh, we will we'll wrap a bow up on uh, on the these these past two weeks. Um, any any final thoughts on? On these two games, or, or general, general hounds funk um, up till now. 
Uh, let's just move past it. That's, I mean, that's all you can say. Move past it. I got one thing. Are the yellow kits cursed? Ooh, Ooh do, uh, do you have do you have a kit by kit stats? Not kit by kit stats, but I know what games we've worn the yellow kits. Um, so we started the year with them against Detroit, which was all right. We, um, and also just looking at away games, I guess. So, but I'm pretty sure we haven't worn them at home. Um, we wore them at Vegas, which was rough. We wore them at Charleston recently, which was bad. And now we've worn them at um, RGV. So as far as I'm aware, we have not won in the yellow. Oh, no, we wore them at Tulsa. So that was actually okay. So we're, what? They one warm at Tulsa. That's right. One, yeah. one, two, and one. Huh. Huh. That's rough. By the way, Charles, man. How's going to have to pop in a bunch of goals to not send that old guard shield back down to, to South Carolina. Yeah, I think that's probably my most concerning thing is I just don't want to see that shield go away from Bulldog. <laughs> yeah. I especially this you thought there was no chance that thing was was leaving this year and here we are. Wonderful, wonderful, we, wonderful. We just have to replace it with a bigger piece of hardware. Yeah, but if if we I well I think you take that one of two ways. Either <laughs> Either we're popping the uh, the Keystone Cup in there, or um, the Hounds are winning something bigger, and then we're somehow re- relocating it to Bulldog Pub and stuff, keeping it at the Highmark Stadium. <laughs> Shame. Um, I do want to take a moment now, uh, thanking everyone who has been listening uh, weekly or j- just once or whatever. I don't know about you guys, but I've had a couple, more than a couple, a few individuals come up and, and say that they've they've appreciated the podcast and they've like listened to it and they've they've mentioned things from the podcast that I don't remember saying and I don't remember us talking about. So that <laughs> means they're paying better attention to it than than I am. And so to all those people, I I thank you. I try to downplay. I don't take compliments well in person. So, uh, but I do want to say I do appreciate uh, anyone who's, who's who's walked up to me and, and uh, said something about the podcast. It uh, does, it does register with me, even if I downplay it at the moment. Oh, Gordon, we know you're listening. He might be listening live somehow, knowing him. Yeah, he's, he's tapped in, hacked into the uh, the Zoom room. So Definitely outside of the uh, to some. yes, might be of interest. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, the other big news outside of, of the Hounds uh, not scoring goals and not putting points on the board is that the Hounds present uh, Vic Gregovitz has stepped aside. This happened midway through last week. I think a couple of us got the heads up at the Detroit home game that this was coming. But a uh, couple of thoughts from, from everyone there. You know, to me, Vic, I mean, he was here for... Uh, a year and a half thereabout. I don't have have his hire date and rent rent from me. Things that happened on his watch, uh, I can't say they're directly his his call because you're never really sure which you know he had his fingerprints on and which might have been in the works before he got here or things that that Tuffy was pushing through. But things that happened, you know, uh, under the the Vic era, um, probably most public facing. 
was the change in concessions. Instead of it being in-house, they brought in, uh, they, they bid it out and went to Sodexo Live. Uh, we've talked about concessions a few times as it relates to this year so far, so I think everyone knows what kind of what the, the pros and cons of that have been so far. Uh, the tailgate zone trademark uh, was his big uh, uh, invention or his big debut last year. Storino, we know you love that. Not trademark, but yes, yes. It is not trademark. We could actually, I don't know if we, if we um, brought that up before, but yeah, there, the trademark on tailgate zone is actually expired. So if, if we really want to jump on that, we could do that now. Maybe it's a good time now that there's no one in the, uh, in the president's office to go and uh, go do that. But so there's those two things bringing uh, ye old shipping container, slapping a nicely light logo on it, and now you're having your, your that party suite right on the field was under Vic's watch. And then um, probably also the kind of the, the bump in ticket prices going into this year. Still, I'm not sure how much that was his call or how much that um, may have been on the works before, before he showed up, but. Um, that's you know that's that's on his his CV when he was uh, he was with the Hounds. So uh, I'll start with you, Starina. What um, what are your takeaways, good, bad, and, and overall thoughts on 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 the Vic era of the Hounds? I would say pretty good. Like you said, Vic was pretty public facing. Um, I can't say that I have many interactions with him, but the very few I have seemed like a really cool guy. I mean, you could sit there and kind of chit chat with him a little bit, and I have maybe twice um just randomly um seeing him walking on the concourse or whatever just kind of chit-chatting with him but uh as far as you said like the ticketing um i mean i I think we'd be kidding ourselves if we really all thought that tickets were going to last at the 99 dollar price point for much longer so i think kind of what they did was they went at it with you know we got these guys that are loyal if we up the price a little bit they're kind of offsetting us buying our tickets at a higher price with all the raffles they have going on, which in turn is putting more asses in seats. I mean, they're probably making pretty close to the same amount of money as far as ticket sales as a whole um, and banking on the fact that everybody's going to buy concessions. So, and ultimately whenever you go there for a free game, at some point you're going to say, you know what, I really enjoyed that comeback and be willing to pay for a ticket. So, I, I mean, I, again, like you said, I, you can't say that that was a Vic idea or not, but if it was, to me, that's genius. Um, I mean, for me to tell you that the ticket prices going up was going to cause me to stop going to games, that probably wasn't going to happen. Granted, they could have went up hundreds of dollars, and I maybe would have considered it, but you know, 99 bucks was a steal. We all knew that. Um, so it damn near doubled in price, and I can say probably 80% of the steel army probably still bought tickets. So, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to go down there and see that stadium packed. The game we keep going back to is, you know, Atlanta two, where there was, you know, not an empty seat to be seen. I mean, it was an awesome atmosphere for a two team and the people there had no idea what a two team was. Um, So if that, again, if that was something of Vicks doing, that was, that was fantastic, but um, tailgate zone seems to be good. The corks of that still need to seem to be worked out with kind of going in and out whenever gates open. That still kind of confuses everybody, and some people get stuck in there. But, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say exactly what 
he did directly, but it seemed like him as president, there was more good than bad. I mean, concessions change as far as who's running it, but the problems we seem to have just kind of continue. Whereas, you know, you run over at halftime to grab a hot dog and they might be out of hot dogs and it might be a game where there's 2,200 people there. It's kind of like, why are, why are we running out of hot dogs at halftime? So stuff like that still needs to be worked out. You know, putting a new company running concessions hasn't changed that kind of stuff. And that's kind of disappointing. But other than that, I'd say overall, you know, if we're going to give him a grade, I'd say he probably got a solid B, B plus. Oh, you're jumping ahead to where I was going to take that. Damn it. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> um, I, I have mixed thoughts on the, on the Vic era. Um, they got a lot of things right. I think the marketing and some of the publicity has, has gone in the right direction under his watch. Um, I was fine with, I was, I know I might get murdered for this from some other people. I was quietly wanting the ticket prices to go up because they, they were so comically low. I mean, it was, it was, it was a joke how cheap those tickets were. Uh, I the, actually agree. I totally agree. In the same vein, uh, the the parking going up like it did was equally ridiculous. That they were undercharging for, um, they were undercharging for the tickets, but they were overcharging for parking. Parking's still a bit of a joke. Um, was it's like you could get the same amount of dollar, dollars out of people just take a couple of those bucks out of parking and put them in, into the tickets. Um, concessions is. You know, I'm not a big fan of, of the whole cashless thing, but the cashless thing—I mean, that came with Sodexo. But you know, the lines are moving faster. I haven't bought food in Highmark forever, so I, I can't speak to it. But it, it just sounds like the same issues are have not changed in terms of availability and possibly quality. So, but hey, there's Progies there now, so you got that going for you. Um, <laughs> but then I look at some of the air stuff. Uh, Montour Junction is still not finished. They were remember they they were kind of hyping that as being a, a preseason training facility for the Hounds, and yeah. anyone who's in there is still on the, they're still on like in a temporary uh, occupancy permanent, and we're we're damn near halfway through the season. So Montour Junction, and you never especially right now you don't know if it's supply chain stuff or whatever, but that place still not being done after they kind of hyped it to being like it would be done, I think is a huge misstep. Just again. Um, uh, over-promising, under-delivering, which seems to be a, a, a very houndsy thing. And then maybe it, maybe my interaction with this is not the same as other people. But they hyped up that damn app, and the 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 thing's useless, as best, best I can tell. I, I rarely log into it. They talked about how it was going to be there, and it's going to be taking care of all your tickets, and that never happened, and there was going to be a, an augmented reality aspect to this thing. It... I I would lay down twenty bucks right now that we'll never see that come to the light. And one of the means that I was in with him, he was talking about being able to order food through the through this app, and he was going to do all these other things. And I haven't seen I ain't seen jack shit from that. Um, so in another case, it's just maybe overhyping, under under delivering, and which sometimes is is very much of the hound's way. But uh, he he was a. He was out in front. He he listened to criticism, so I I I 
respect that about him. I know he, he people kind of dug in on the hounds on Twitter a few times, and he he would go and, and fi- uh, find those people out and have a have a conversation with them and and hear what their complaints were. So I, I give him credit for that. But I I mean going back to the what is the grade for him to me, you know maybe it's it's an eye incomplete because we have to see how some of these things still pan out that you know he wasn't around long enough to to see through if it's the last day of semester and we have to give a grade it's 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 a c if we're grading on on the curve of previous hounds executives maybe it's a b minus but i mean it's it certainly wasn't certainly wasn't a home run um bestie where, where do you fall on all things vic in the Vic era. Uh, I, I think you mentioned that there, as you mentioned, it might be too early to see exactly kind of what his, his legacy is. Um, he, he's only president for one year and two months. So something like that, you know, not, 14 to 16 months, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not very long, but he does. It did seem like he said a lot of stuff in motion. Um, even if it may have been, a little overhyped it's you i would hope like some of the deficiencies in like the app and, and things are, are there's a roadmap for that it's not just it, that's it, it's not i'm hoping it's not done like i hope this there's, there's gonna be more to it um like ticketing i imagine you know integrating with Ticketmaster might not be the easy, easiest thing in the world and maybe if they get out of that contract that will improve or you know whatever else. Um, so, I think I think he was probably the right guy. It's unfortunate that he wasn't here longer. It's a bit frustrating that we keep rotating through uh, these the, the top level guys so fast. Um, you know, it'd be nice if the hounds weren't just a stepping stone and somebody would stick around for a while. That was going to be one of my things that I was going to bring up about this too, is, is as much as I enjoy uh, someone else, you know, buying me a couple of drinks or buying me a meal. I am, I am absolutely sick of sitting through these. Let's meet the new GM president person in charge slash consultant. I mean, uh, Steve, I know you've you've been in a, in a one or two of them with us now. Vesti, you've probably been in the same. I mean, at this point, two handfuls of these meetings. It it just always feels like we're hitting the reset button with this stuff. We have to reintroduce ourselves. We have to introduce what the what the Steel Army is and what our objectives are and how what we're trying to accomplish and how we want to kind of work in sync with the Hounds. But no, we're not here to sell things on behalf of the Hounds. Like we've had that conversation with this the new you know person in charge uh, i mean at this point kind of countless times and and i'm really sick of of just like nope it's a year and a half later let's hit the reset button and, and have that meeting all over again and i guarantee you when they announce whoever the the new president's gonna be you know a, within a week they're gonna send an email to to the board of and say hey i want to get together and, and you know hear what you guys have to say and i will have that meeting again and you know and it'll, that'll be the, I don't know, 12th one of these means I've had in the past decade. And that's, to me, maybe the most frustrating part of all this. Is just, it just feels like it's always a constant start and stop in terms of 
what the vision is, what the plan is, and then seeing that vision or plan work its way through because the, that person doesn't stick around long enough to, to see it all the way through. Vic in particular was nice because through his time with the Louisville Bats, you know, he had some some proximity to uh, USL soccer and just soccer in general. And so I'm sure he was aware of like supporter culture and, and things like that. Uh, some of the past presidents and GMs and stuff they brought in, just, you know, they have no idea what we're about. And he had to kind of explain what a support, what a soccer supporter is, what, what our culture is. And, and it's always kind of starts that relationship on the back foot. But I'll, I'll even push back on that a little bit. Uh, there was a meeting, uh, it was me and, let's see, Josh was there and Shoes was there. And I, Vic kept trying to relate us to like a like a college, um, like a, a a boosters organization, and he, he he kept trying to make that comparison, and we kept trying to push him away from it, and he kept going back to that. Um, that was he actually had, one, one of the times where I I was kind of getting turned off by Vic when he couldn't he couldn't make that that distinction. He had college experience before the bats, right? Yes, I remember right. Yeah, he worked. He he's a Rob Morris graduate, which is part of the reason I I was up on him at the beginning. Uh, and then he worked at Rob Morris doing. He was big on the um, when they took over the Island Sports Center uh, when they bought that complex. He was kind of in charge of that. Yeah. All right. So maybe I retract that a bit. I I didn't. I don't think I actually took a meeting with him because I was kind of already starting to transition out. Um, from board duties, uh, but from, from I guess my more semi outside perspective, it seemed like he had more of a grasp on things. But um, but even if he didn't have the grasp on supporter culture, he at least worked with the minor league sports before, uh, where some of the past again presidents, GMs, you know, these high level positions were coming from like hospitality or or, or whatever and. Maybe that's why they burned out quicker because they just aren't used to the world of lower league sports in the U.S. So you, know, you had that hope for Vic that you know he knew he knew the game, not literally the game of soccer, but you know the game of, of hustling minor league. And I, losing that's even if, again even if things haven't fully flourished because you know, maybe there are more long-term plans um, I think just losing that somebody with that perspective is is rough and I hope we whoever comes they, they they said that or I think we've heard that he was potentially involved in finding a successor so hopefully we get somebody with uh, equal experience and not somebody coming in with no experience I'm going to use as my transition to uh, to what the next question was going to be. Who do you, what personalities or traits or experience or however, however you want to answer this question, what do you want to see in in the next president of this of the club? What what experience or yeah again however you want to answer that question. Um, Steve, we'll start with you. What what do you think is going to be important for the next guy to come or next person to come in? Uh, in terms of, of what they can do for this club? I really think just, yeah, not coming from hospitality or something like that, really just coming from somewhere in the lower league, even if it's not soccer. It could be 
baseball or something to that effect. You know, it could be the Wheeling Nailers president or something. But I mean, just being in a a lower league uh, position and understanding just lower league, I think, is probably the biggest part of it, in my opinion. I mean, I don't expect the guy to come from, you know, being Minnesota Vikings president for 15 years and coming to, you know, pre- be the president of the Hounds. But, uh, you know, somebody with some sort of lower league um, experience, I think, is really the very minimum that, should, you know, they should be looking for. Vesti, what, um, what, do you, what do you want to see? Yeah, same. I mean, ideally they have soccer experience, but that's kind of a, a very small pool. Um, but I, I, I would really like to see somebody with lower league. I don't care about the sport, really, just just lower league. Because um, at the end of the day, honestly, this, the, the running the business out of a lower league team, it doesn't really matter what sport you're in. I, you know, somebody coming not with no experience at all, I think doesn't, it's just a lot to, I just don't think it works. I think it's a lot for them to try to figure out. And I also would potentially even argue if it's somebody coming from the majors, like, you know, not necessarily like, you know, the president of the pirates or something like that, but you, you might get somebody that was like an assistant in the office or whatever. I don't even think that's potentially good because just, you know, what works for the Pirates or the Pens just does not work for their affiliates or, or, or you know, the, the step down. It's just, they're two different worlds, even if they are sports. So, so yeah, I, I hope somebody with lower league experience um, at minimum, I guess, regardless of who they are, I think they need to be as visible as Vic and the last um, Kevin was you know, they, they gotta be willing to work it. Uh, I feel like we had somebody early in the Highmark era that did not really was not as visible. Um, so you know, you you want your you want your resident to feel like they're they're one of the people, uh, you know, to really grease those wheels and and make uh, the fans comfortable with what their vision is. Yeah, and it's a shame because I think the the maybe the the most ideal candidate just went to become the president of of Tulsa and that was uh Sam Dar who was with uh most notably I think he was with Sacramento for a hot minute I think but most notably was with Phoenix Rising and was I mean he was putting his finger his fingers all over various marketing and and different tactics to to really raise their profile and then he went to I uh, went to the NHL for a while, I think the Coyotes and somewhere else, and now he's he, he's now the president of, of Tulsa. He would have been the A number one, you know, hire that they the Hounds could have could have gotten or would have been looking at. To me, I'm look I want they have to fit one of two things. I either want someone who has been in the organization but maybe not now, but they were in the organization before, went out, did some other things in the sports world and then are ready to come back. So now they have a, a they have a grasp of what they're actually walking into with the hounds, and hopefully that means it's someone who wants to stay here. Because mo- I I as I alluded to before, I'm sick of the reset. I want someone who wants to be in this for the long term, more than a year and a half. So I I'd, I'd like either someone who's been with the organization either currently or in the past, so they they actually know they know the players, they know they know all the 
the, the various hands they have to shake to get what help what is going to make soccer work in Pittsburgh. If not that, I want I want I want to hire from around the league. Um, forget other minor league sports. I think at this point it needs to be someone you're you're poaching someone, and I'll I'll say it right, right now. Find someone from Detroit. From find someone from Oakland. Find someone from from Charleston. Um, I think it's high time now. You look in the league to find to find that hire. Um, minor league. You know, I think one of Vic's biggest maybe missteps was was the the, the Chick Fil A thing from last year, and his his go to on point. it was. Was well, well, it was it was going to work. it worked at this baseball place, and to me that was again didn't didn't appreciate or didn't understand the difference in the in the in the market and in the in your in what the fan base wanted. So I to me, yeah, either someone who's been with the Hounds or someone who's been in the league at this point. There's a, there's enough teams out there. There's enough. Enough uh, tires you can kick around the league to, to find someone who's made ready to step up to uh, to a bigger role in a new organization in the league. So that's let me uh, let me ask you this then, just to kind of go off of the earlier statement you made. Somebody that uh, was with the organization, how would you feel about even someone like, say, a former player taking this on as their first role as a president? So no experience in the position but has been with the organization and I'm even going to go and I'm just throwing a random name out there of an older player that at this point now has probably been out of, uh, hasn't played or hasn't been really active long enough that he could be even be the person that could do it. And I'm just throwing the random name out there, but like someone like Hunter Gilstrap, what if this was his first run at something like this, been with the organization Wants to see it grow, but has no experience. How would you feel about somebody like that? I, I'd want to see what what the CV is outside of of being a player. What I think you maybe have to have some sort of of business background or business or marketing or or sales or some sort of, of background. I, I I wouldn't be opposed to having that interview. Um, but I mean. Do you do you put a guy in that position? Again, I'm just using that name of Hunter Gilstrap as a place marker. But do you hire somebody like Hunter Gilstrap? And given that he has no experience, that money you're saving on his salary, you go out and hiring a marketing director or something to that effect that has experience. I mean, that's a that's a distinct possibility. I think the only thing that gives me gives me pause is is you know Cutney was that guy for a long time and and. That would be another good name, yeah. To his, you know, to his credit, he parlayed that and is basically running um, that the that one, you know, kind of premier boys uh, development league. So he's he was able to to catapult what he was doing at the Hounds into much a much more of a of a soccer business role. So it's a possibility for sure. Um, and again, I think someone who I I would. That person gets an interview. Let me. I'll put it that way. Got it. Yeah, I, I, when you, you mentioning that, I was. I'm now perusing the academy st- 
directors. That's, that's kind of where I was dipping into that pot. And I, I don't know that Hunter's still in the Academy pot, like pool. I'm going to say as recent as maybe two years ago he was, but I mean, that's not something I really keep yeah. up on. And for whatever reason, he was just the name that came to mind. Like someone like Kevin Kerr, maybe he's not quite at that point yet, but I, to me, for whatever reason, Gil Strap seems to be a little more seasoned and uh, further removed from play that, you know, to me, he seems like somebody that could, maybe not the guy, but, you yeah. know, he was just the first name to come to mind. Yeah, but I mean, but looking at the, the the list of who's running the academy, these are a lot of guys who have been around for a long time. Like, and you know, what is? I know running a youth academy is different than a professional team, but if you can get these guys to stick around there, can you entice them? One of them to make the jump over the pro, um, or you know, maybe fundamentally, like, why do people stick around there but not in the pro side? Um, right. Another name I'll throw out, former Hounds player currently in the academy, uh, one Mr. Justin Evans. Go from player to coach to academy director to president. That'd be the, the, quite the career directory. That that's the one who def, he that's a guy who gets an interview to me without knowing. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean that's definitely better than are. my place marker name, but <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know uh, Evans is. He predates a lot of the current Steel Army membership, um, and then you know he was in the wilds for a while before brought back into the organization. But that's for long-term people. That's definitely a name who would turn heads um, if he had the opportunity. You know, I if you're listening, we're just giving you some ideas here. <laughs> no, he was uh, he was he was one of the interviews on on the the very like that first iteration of the Steel Army podcast. He was uh, he was one of the interviews, and the. He, as you mentioned how he was he was getting close to getting shit canned that previous season um and then that interview dropped and i think he actually got fired for real like like a month later or something like that it was it was a little awkward but <laughs> oh well that's what happens those were actual you know those were legit bad times so if yeah, not there yet not there yet it's only only five non-wins in a row but uh, do you do you remember where this uh, where this non-winning streak started at? As my perfect transition. Oh, the Sunshine State, I believe. It did this the this this run of of not being good at at winning games started down in Tampa, who the Hounds will face this week back up at Highmark Stadium. Uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies are coming into town. Uh, they actually, I mean, at this point, they might actually be in town. Uh, they, Nah, they usually travel on Fridays, I think. So, so yeah, uh, Hounds versus Tampa Bay is going to be a battle of third versus fifth. Uh, Tampa Bay, they've played one more game than, than the Hounds. They are 7-3-6 uh, and six on 27 points. Hounds, well, one game less, three points less than them. Uh, also seven wins, uh, but five losses to go with three draws. Tampa's kind of been in a bit of an ascendancy since since they've played the the Hounds. Well, actually, you can uh, since they've played the Hounds, which was a, that three one win where the Hounds um, came from ahead to to lose after scoring their first goal. They drew against Tulsa. They beat Louisville, which is a big win. Uh, they beat the Miami uh, at at. Uh, at Ricardo Silver Stadium, and then their most recent is a probably the, the biggest surprise, even though compared to what we just did, they drew to Charleston, um, one one, 
That was Charleston's next game after after thumping the Hounds 3-0. So yeah, Tampa's going to be back in the town. Um, probably outside of, of them getting their form since they've played the Hounds, their big acquisition uh, per se is uh, in a in exchange with uh, Birmingham. They picked up Tommy V. So this will actually be Tommy's second trip to Highmark Stadium this year after coming up with uh, with Birmingham and, and taking that L. So maybe, uh, hopefully, he can come up here and, and go 0 for 2 uh, as, an, as a road player to the Rowdies. Outside of that, they've had some injury issues. I know uh, Dos Santos was hurt. It sounds like he is uh, on his way back. He may have played in that last game. Actually, I want to check right now, see if he, if he played. He did not. Tommy started. Uh, Dos Santos didn't. And no, he was still on the. He wasn't even on the bench, so he is still, in theory, not not back. So, no Dos Santos for us to most likely want a chance to chirp at him, and as he you know dives to get the the game winning penalty kick. Uh, gentlemen, uh, somewhat of a big game. It's the team that started the downswing, but it is we're back at home. The opportunities have been there. The goals have not. Seemingly, the Hounds are healthy. What are you guys looking for forward to, and what are you looking looking to see this Saturday, uh, Steve? I just want that the Hounds to put like fifteen balls in the back of the net. No questions asked. <laughs> That's just about it. Um, no, really, I just want to see. I mean, I, I would really like to see us. I don't know. I, 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 if if we can go out there and hold Tampa scoreless, or you know, whether we win one nothing or three nothing or whatever, I, I think that'll kind of right some of the wrong of the two losses in a row. Um, I don't know that that'll happen, but I think, I think giving those guys um, a goose egg to go home with, I think would make me feel a little better. Vesti, where's your head at? I so Tampa scares me because they've been on a pretty good run lately. Um, they they seem to have found their form, but we're also pretty lights out at home. You know, we're undefeated at home, and if I'm actually looking at the thing right now, we are the last team to be undefeated at home, which probably just cursed us. Um, yeah, I, I I would love if we could run up the score, but with the current form in the last few home games have pretty been pretty low scoring affairs. I just not seeing it. I'm I'm kind of bra- there's a lot of negativity on this uh today, so I don't wanna say a loss, but I'm I'm gonna go with like a draw, like a zero zero, real low scoring. Um I'd love to see like a one nothing win though. Yeah, I, I, I'd even give up the clean sheet at this point just to see them pop in multiple goals. Um, it's I feel like even one would be nice. I in the back of my mind, I feel like the the scoring drought is is just it's the dam. And as soon as you you crack the dam, it, you know there's a good chance 
you know, good times will be had. Um, I mean, just looking back, the last time they they scored two goals is basically coming up on a month ago now when down uh, at Miami. Before that, you have to go all the way back to the the four nil drubbing. So basically, once a month they've been scored. They've scored multiple goals. So May twenty eighth, and then you have to go back to April twenty third. That means we're now coming into June twenty fifth, which will be this game. So if you follow that, the Hounds are at least due for two. You know, last Saturday game of the month. Um, so that's a positive, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get that, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. if if the goals don't come this game, looking forward to the following week, which was a terrible thing to do. <laughs> but we, we played Red Bulls, too, in the, the following game. Yes, but on the road. So that's got to be when the dam breaks, if it doesn't break this game. Uh, I just I just hope we get points this game because it would be really depressing to start looking forward to when's the next time we play a two-team so we can get a win. Correct. That is absolutely the thing. How this team lines up, I think we've, we've had, by looking in the past games, had a, a discussion about where the, the future, um, what the, this lab might or might not look like or what we, we hope it looks like. Uh, I'd say let's take a crack at starting eleven, but it's that's probably just a exercise in futility because we crapshoot. Yeah, you'll get seven or eight of those names right, and the other ones will be guys who weren't on the bench last week. Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. So, but that is this Saturday, uh, Highmark Stadium, seven o'clock, and that is also uh, the. Uh, Hounds doing Pride Night in June for the first time. So, Beautiful uh, transition. Hey, trying to do what I can. And that's a good reason why the Hounds need to score some goals because so far they've scored, scored one this month uh, in June. Uh, as we've talked about before, Pride Razor, uh, the Stillery Pride Razor campaign is, is in effect. Uh, I'm proud and happy to say that our uh, pledges have surpassed last year's total. We're up to $243 per goal scored this month, plus July 1st. The problem is, though, they've only scored one goal, so that makes, if I do the math right, $243 in in goal, don- in goal pledges. Uh, that will be going to Persad. We need to get that number... Uh, we got to get that number going higher, and the best way for that to happen is for the Hounds to, uh, to score some damn goals. Um... But in addition to the Pride Razor, it is going to be the, the Pride Night at Highmark Stadium. Uh, we have produced another Pride Scarf. We will have that out on the on the Twitters and everything on Friday. Those will be available at, at our tailgate. Uh, $20, I believe, off the top of my head, is, is what they're going to be sold for. Uh, limited availability. We are, uh, as we have in the past years, the... Uh, the profits from those sales will be going to uh, a couple different. Actually, this year will be going to a couple different um, associated charities. I think there's four of them. Uh, if someone wants to stall me long enough, that can look up the uh, who those were. So Vesti, uh, what are you watching while he's uh, doing that? 
<laughs> uh, nothing at the moment, but I need to catch up on my Disney Plus shows. You and me both. I still have not watched Obi-Wan. I'm avoiding Discord right now, so I don't see the conversation because I don't want to know what's going on. Okay, got yeah, him. Hey. Here we go. Okay, cool. Back to the show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the Steel Army nerd leaked in here for a second. We have to go clean it up. Yeah, that's we, <laughs> my head started to explode there a little bit. Uh, Persad, uh, PGH Equality Center, Proud Haven, and RCC, which is the choir who will be doing the national anthem prior to the game on Saturday. So the uh, profits from the scarf sales are going to be split between those four organizations. That's uh, the first time I think we, we've, we've brought that many groups involved into it. But yes, uh, they are going to be sold for uh, $20 each. Again, the best way to do that is to find us in, in the, at our tailgate. Uh, when they're gone, they're gone for 2022. You have to wait for next year's design once those go. So we are looking forward to that. Um, looked at ticket sales today. They're looking, I mean, not quite sell it level, but they're looking pretty healthy. So hopefully with some decent weather, uh, there'll be a decent walk up and, and it'll be a, be a party at Highmark Stadium come Saturday night. Uh, elsewhere in Steel Army news, this is, uh, this is breaking news on the podcast. We've been dis- dis- discussing it as a group. Uh, but we are able to make the uh, make the announcement official today because there is no Friday home match this year, and Friday is when we always bust out our our Lumberg impersonation and declare it uh, Hawaiian Shirt Day. Uh, since that is not happening this year, we are we are calling an audible and we are moving Hawaiian Shirt Day to another midweek match, and that's going to be the July sixth. So after the next home match after this after this Saturday. July 6th versus Indy, it's going to be Hawaiian Shirt Day. Um, so that means you can wear a Hawaiian shirt and blue jeans. Okay. Uh, and I have a, a bag of Lay's I didn't w- didn't bring last year. They'll be there. Uh, I think, Vessi, you've already promised to make some more uh, more tropical drinks. Is that correct? Uh, let's not make promises before I know I'm going to be able to make the game or not. That's, that's why I did it but without telling you a heads up. I will try to do something. Because <laughs> I think I they went they went well last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, people liked them. Yeah. They are boozy, so of course people liked them. Of course people liked them. So we'll try to do that. Um, but yeah, let, uh, let your friends, family, neighbors know to bring the Hawaiian shirts for July 6th. Again, no 4th of July game this year, so uh, they're uh, at the aforementioned at... Uh, sugar-free Red Bulls on the 1st, no game on the 4th, and then home for that Wednesday the 6th, which will be Hawaiian Shirt Night. Uh, that kind of wraps up the, the checklist on Steel Army news coming forward, unless you guys can think of anything else. Nope. Nope. I want to say that is a nope. So yes, be I'm sure to get, out nope. to, to get out to the game on Saturday. Pick up a, a, a pride scarf. If you have not made a donation to if you've not made uh, if you've not made a pledge to pride razor uh, i would encourage you to do that the link will be in the show notes for this again that you can do that that pledge all the way up through the last game of this year's pride razor which will be that july 1st game you'll also be able to uh, modify that pledge as you see fit um so keep that in mind you're not you're not locked into that that first amount you put in there 
and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a party on the gonna be a party on Saturday. Hopefully, a lot of goals to boost up that number. And uh, in addition to that, it will get the get the hounds off the uh, off the fucking snide. So, with that said, uh, gentlemen, how do you wanna you wanna wrap this show up here? Final thoughts. Uh, we'll start with you, Vesty. Where you're uh, what are you thinking? I forgot what it's like to be grumpy about the hounds, and I don't like it. So let's turn this around. Yeah, if if, if you're a fairly new hounds fan, you don't even know what what the bad times are like. Even even these aren't the the bad bad times, but they're, yeah, they're, it is weird to be a little pessimistic about all things hounds in the past four years. Steve, what do you got for us? Uh, since last time I was on the show, um, I was able to play Dungeons and Dragons in the Nerds Discord with some of the Steel Army members, and I had a blast. Um, and you probably won't hear from me for a little bit because I'm actually going away to Yosemite, so this will be my last show probably till towards the end of July. Ooh, you're taking the camper, the meerkat? Is that the, no, you that a meerkat? Nah. Meerkat, yeah, it's called a meerkat. Nice. Check them out. They're they're built in I think San Francisco or San Diego. I don't remember which, but yeah, we stumbled upon it at a uh, local RV uh, place. Um, totally random. We were looking for a small camper. My wife really liked the idea of a meerkat and happened to find a used one, only a year old. Um, but no, we're not taking the camper. We're flying out and we're actually going to spend four days on the John Muir Trail backpacking. So every other day i've been trying different freeze-dried food to find out what i like <laughs> so i can eat food on the trail what's the uh what's, it's the, not... what's the top con- contender so far uh my wife found some brand i don't remember which now it's called but uh they make like a basically a cheeseburger but it's all like meat crumbles and just shredded cheese and you put it on a tortilla shell and I'll tell you what with a little ketchup a little mayo mustard you have no idea that it was freeze-dried. Hmm. Some of that stuff is kind of gross. Some of it uh, is pretty spot on. I would say uh, if you're looking into freeze-dried food, stick with the the stuff that's like a soup because uh, that cooks really well, like beef stew. That, to me, just tastes like you're opening up a can of soup. Um, and she found some kind of like pulled pork beef jerky that we tried today also. It's fantastic. You would never think to try something like that, but absolutely fantastic. So haven't quite solidified what I'm taking on the trip, but it's a little weird eating freeze-dried food, that's for sure, because sometimes it doesn't hydrate all the way. It gets really weird and crunchy, and uh, crunching on cheese is kind of a weird texture thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, seen So, as, yeah, that's what I learned. Yeah, seen <laughs> as there, there is absolutely no way that I can top freeside food chat i'm just gonna send this bad boy home and uh, thank you all for listening i uh, would like to thank the beautiful game network for providing the online hosting of houndsy check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm the houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the space babies check them out at facebook.com slash space babies pgh the show is produced by joe Majorak. email the show at steelarmypgh at gmail.com put podcasts in the subject line all complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. On behalf of Storino and Vesti, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.